Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Afternoon, Cougar Nation. Welcome back to Cougar Sports Saturday. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte coming to you live from Broadcast House, downtown Salt Lake City. We're talking BYU football, BYU basketball. So much to get to. We're going to talk you a little bit off the ledge because I know it's been a tough week at times, Cougar Nation, but there's also a lot of excitement too as the Cougars have a new defensive coordinator, Matt. Yeah, we're going to get to that. In fact, in 30 minutes from now, we'll have the new defensive coordinator, Jay Hill, formerly at Weber State. BYU was able to lure him down as a new defensive coordinator and associate head coach. He will join us in 30 minutes from now. They also announced Kelly Papinga returns to BYU, uh, special teams coordinator and an unannounced position role as they fill out the staff. So we'll get you all the coaching news as BYU football rounds out that coaching staff. We'll get to some basketball. They play a ranked team tonight, Creighton. And, of course, we'll get to the transfer portal. That's what you were alluding to with uh, talking people off the ledge. But you know where we got to start, Mitch. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. That's right, Matt. It's... A new coaching staff, a new era. BYU's going to the Big 12 Conference, and they will have a new D.C. Jay Hill comes to BYU from Weber State. He was the all-time winningest coach in Weber State football history, winning 69 games during his time with the Wildcats. He comes down to BYU and is now going to call the, the defense, and he's also the associate head coach as well earlier in the week. When Jay Hill was announced, Kalani Satake introduced Coach Hill. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to announce our a defensive coordinator and our associate head coach, Jay Hill. 
we speak the same language when it comes to, to defensive football. Um, saw the things that he's done when he went to, after our nine years together, he, he left to be the head coach at Weber State and uh, turned that, that, that school into a perennial power in the FCS level. Uh, going to the, the playoffs, FCS playoffs, uh, six out of the last seven years. And um, he's done an amazing job there. And looking at his career, I've been really impressed with, with what he's done. But I've seen it firsthand, the things that he's done, the, the, the knowledge that he has on all three phases. He is a special teams guru in addition to what he does with defense. But also um, he has ex- experience coaching on the offensive side of the ball too. Bringing all that experience and, and all that knowledge here to BYU, I'm really excited about. There's two reasons I love this hire, Mitch. Um, number one, I love that Jay Hill was a head coach for the past nine years because I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure the last time BYU was able to bring in a coordinator that was not promoted from a position coach was Bronco. That is correct. So it's been a long, long time since BYU has been able to bring someone in who has coordinated a defense, and in Jay Hill's case, even better, ran a program for nine years. So I, Because there was a lot of talk out there, and we talked about this. We would have loved Sean Newham. But Sean Newell would have been just like Elisa Tuiaki and Nick Howell and Jaime Hill. That they were, This was their first time doing it. And when you're going to the biggest level of college football, it would be nice to not have someone doing this for the first time. And that's the case with Jay Hill. So that's one reason I love it. The second one is it was reported, and you wrote a great piece when this news broke on KSLSports.com, uh, nearly you know, around a million dollars per year to run the defensive coordinator. Because we wondered... Is BYU's salary, is it going to be up to par now? Or are they going to wait till they get the money? It, it's up to par now. Like a million dollars is a good number for a defensive coordinator. They are showing that they are going to compete financially to win, which is huge. Like that is, it cannot be understated, Mitch, how big that is, that they're willing to put all their chips in financially to compete now. So for those two reasons, I love the hire. And then just quick side note, I think Jay Hill's a great coach. I like that he's accountable. I think he's going to bring stuff to the staff that they were lacking in terms of accountability and toughness. So I love Jay Hill, the coach, but the two reasons that I love the hire the most are that he's proven and that they are uh, putting their, their money where their mouth is. Another thing that I love about this hire, Matt, is that in a situation, let's say Kalani one day leaves, you know, goes on to another job. I, I think Kalani's all in on BYU, but – you now have a coach that's in the building that has BYU experience, that will have BYU experience, and he can maybe one day be that head coach. He is a member yep. of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He served a mission. Uh, he's once been an elders quorum president. Not that that's related to a football job, but it, it, you know when you're talking about BYU, that does matter because when you are recruiting BYU athletes, you have to have an understanding that, hey, some of these guys are going to go serve missions for the church. They, and when they come back from their missions – they might want to get married. That's not, you know, a, a thought that really comprehends with most college football coaches. So having that background, it's it's not the end all be all, but it is something that's of value with Jay Hill. And keep in mind too, as you heard in that clip from Kalani Satake, he's the associate head coach and the defensive coordinator. So when you're talking about a million dollar salary, you're you're talking about maybe the job of two men. Ed, he takes on the role of Ed Lamb. Analyze Tuiaki. Ed Lamb, earlier this week, he ends up at Northern Colorado as the head coach at the FCS rank. So best of luck to Coach Lamb leading Northern Colorado Bears as they move forward. Elisa Tuiaki, he stepped down. And 
uh, still to this point has not uh, landed on his feet as far as in the coaching carousel. But uh, I think that's something to keep in mind, too, that he does take on the role. But it's it, it, that salary that's been reported and tossed out there, it is warranted. When you've got a guy with a ton of experience, Jay Hill will be a very good coach for BYU. And I think also from Jay Hill's perspective, too, I think he had accomplished all that he could from Weber State in my vantage point. I mean, it just seems like he had been there for nine years, became the winningest coach. He got Weber State to six FCS playoff appearances. But ultimately, they were not going to be the the North Dakota State, uh, the James Madison of yesteryear before they, they moved into the FBS ranks. They weren't going to be that. And I think that you know his his name has been linked to Power Five coaches, uh, coaching searches in the past, and maybe the the read that he got, maybe I'm just kind of you know reading between the lines here, maybe he got a sense that the market, unless you're Coach Prime and you're going from the FCS to the FBS, it's a that's a big jump, especially at the Power Five ranks, and maybe he needs to be, if he wants to be a Power Five head coach, he needs to be an elite defensive coordinator. And there's only room to grow, go up from here because BYU's defense was a dumpster fire this season. Some may wonder, uh, you know, is this a step backwards? You're giving up a program. You're going to BYU. No, it's not. No. To me, uh, maybe if BYU is still independent, you could say, yeah, maybe maybe yeah. it's not because you're not at a power level. But if you do a great job at BYU as a member of the Big 12, let's say, you know, I think next year you and I both think going to be a tough year. Like, sure. Especially with what we've seen in the transfer portal, there's going to be a lot of new faces, a new scheme, maybe a new quarterback. That's going to be difficult. But let's say in year two, they're eight and four, and then the next year they're competing for a championship. People are going to come calling for Jay Hill. That, 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 so the opportunity to maybe eventually become a head coach, whether it be at BYU, if Kalani moves on, and you know, I don't think anyone expects that. But did anyone think right. Bronco would move on? I, I th- thought that was pretty unexpected. When Bronco left, so things can change. The only certainty in life, Mitch, is change. And so uh, to have him in, it could be BYU, it could be Utah down there. I mean, Kyle Whittingham's not going to coach forever, even though it seems that way. Um, so this is definitely a step forward for Jay Hill. It's it's just a perfect fit. And I also love too. I said a few weeks ago, I didn't want someone that Kalani had in a, in a pre-existing relationship with Utah. Well. I do feel like this is an exception case because he's been gone so long from Utah. Yeah. He has developed so much as a coach, and the the ways in which he's developed are really really critical for BYU. At Weber State to succeed, you've got to do two things really well. You've got to identify undervalued talent, and I think because Weber State has put guys into the league, he's been able to do that. And also, even when you bring in the undervalued talent, what do you have to do? You have to develop them. There's not five-star guys going to Weber State. He had to develop these guys to get them to the league. That Saints receiver, Shahid, like, developed at Weber State. That's what BYU needs because BYU is never, as much as you and I, you know, want to dream of the day where there's three or four or five five five-star, you know, recruits connected to BYU, they're just not going to get them all. They're they're never going to be a top-ten class. And so you have to be able to develop these guys, and I think that's been lacking the past couple years. There's talent in the building. They're not getting better. They need to get better, and I think Jay Hill has proven that he can take guys and make them better. Five of the last six years, Jay Hill has led Weber State's defenses uh, top 20 in scoring defense. The lone exception was the COVID year where Weber State and FCS football was played in the spring. You know, he was the head coach at Weber State, but six of his nine years – 
with the Wildcats, he he ran the defense as well. So he knows how to lead a defense, and Weber State has been a physical, tough brand of football, which which is an under-resourced program compared to many powerhouses in the FCS. Like, Weber State, before his arrival, only had two wins in the FCS playoffs in their history. Uh, he gets them to a Final Four a few years back. Like He has had so much success. He's also had a coaching tree that's expanded out that BYU has benefited from, Utah has benefited from. So you're seeing guys evolve under him too. And and I think that Jay Hill will do a, a fantastic job at BYU. Is it going to be suddenly BYU's this juggernaut on defense? No, I'm not saying that. But I do. I'm excited too to see what he does also on the recruiting trail. And you you brought up you know the fact that he's developed guys. What's exciting is that he has a ton of connections out on the West uh, with these these top high school coaches. And before you know, if he rolled into some you know premier high school Bishop Gorman, yeah, you know, whatever it may be, yeah. the high school coach is probably saying, "Hey, you know, Jay, this this is probably going to be the pool of guys that you're probably going to consider Weber State." Now that changes because he's going to be selling a Big Twelve program. Again, BYU is still a place where some recruits might go. Uh, you're, it's a it's a Mormon school. You, you got to take a Book of Mormon class. Like you know, <laughs> that's not for everyone, and that's the nice thing about the filter. It works for BYU, but for the guys that do want to avoid distractions, and you're playing at a high level of football, and I'm, we're preaching to the choir, talking to Cougar Nation. There's so much to offer with the BYU brand, the BYU experience, and Jay Hill is one heck of a recruiter. And those doors, those relationships are only going to expand. And I loved his commentary earlier in the week when I asked about his, you know, connections in in recruiting. He brought up the state of Utah, how they got to stake it out. And then also Nevada, Texas, uh, the bordering state. Like, that's that's where BYU has, has to have uh, their most success. Yeah. And I'm excited to see if he can kind of tap into those Texas connections that he's built over the years from his days at Utah, because BYU needs a strong presence in Texas as they go into the Big 12 Conference. We'll take the break here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Much more to go. Jay Hill, uh, Kelly Papinga announced, and one member of the defensive staff retained. Who is that? We'll tell you next here as we continue to break down the announcement that BYU football is rounding out their defensive staff right here on the other side. You're listening to Cougar Sports Saturday on KSL News Radio. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun to ride and sing in a one-horse open sleigh. Cougar Sports Saturday. I thought we were still at a commercial break. So did I. I thought it was a PSA. <laughs> I thought oh, it was a man. Dave Beacom, our longtime board op. He's been here a long time. Does a great job. Always gets us this time of year with uh, this Christmas music. He loves he loves a good Christmas song. So do I, as long as it's been remixed by Justin Bieber. So if you want to hit that up on the next break, I'd appreciate that, Dave. Dave strikes me as the guy that loves like the claymation movies. Like I like the claymation, the old school Bankin and Rass, or I think is what their name the, the production company. Hey, here's a quick anyway. question for you. What is your favorite Christmas movie that's come out in the past 10 years? Because I think a lot of people are like, hmm. oh, the Jim Carrey's The Grinch or um, A Christmas Story or... Yeah, those are the ones I like. What do you think is Spirited? Did you see Spirited on Apple TV? Never saw it. 
it's actually pretty good. With Will Ferrell and yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Actually, I've been meaning to watch it's that. It's actually pretty dang good. Okay, I need to watch that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, I just think... Put that on the list. This month, chasing down all this BYU football content... It's been a busy month. I'm not going to lie. I'm getting... I'm, I keep sometimes forgetting, I'm like, oh, there is a football game next week. <laughs> because this portal and the recruiting season and the coaching carousel. I'm like, folks, this this got it's I'm getting a little bit tired. But hey, no, I, I love it though. It's it's fantastic. So I'm, I'm after the bowl game, I'm yes. gonna sit down and Load watch it on some your spirited. flight on your yeah. way back to That's Utah. a great idea. Watch it then. That, that's a great idea. BYU earlier in the week announced their new defensive coordinator. And along with Jay Hill being announced shortly after, Kelly Pulpinga, K-pop. he was recently at Boise State, he returns to BYU special teams coordinator, and he'll uh, get a position later on. They still got two spots on the staff. Here was Kelly Pulpinga on his return to Provo. Okay, so just uh, first of all, very uh, grateful for this opportunity to be back at uh, my alma mater and just grateful to coach Kalani for uh, giving me this opportunity and man, just excited to be back and be able to help in, in any way I can to be able to uh, shoot, go into the big 12 and help us start uh, competing and winning conference championships. And that's what, you know, this place has been known for for a really long time and just excited to get back to that. And uh, yeah, just excited about this role that he's given me and uh, just, you know, I walked into the office this morning for the first time and, just felt like felt like home. Felt like I was uh, back where I should be, and so yeah, just very grateful and uh, excited about getting uh, getting things rolling here. BYU is a special place, Matt. How many programs, honestly, do you think where position coaches they'll leave and then they want to come back? You know, it, K-pop is BYU through and through, and I think you know when when Bronco Mendenhall and his staff left back in 2015. I always thought in the back of my mind it was cool that a bunch of BYU guys were getting valuable experience away from BYU. And you kind of, in, in the back of your mind, you thought it, it would be nice if some of these guys eventually make their way back. And Kelly Papinga does. And listening to him this week, you can tell that that experience that he's gained at Virginia in this past season at Boise State, it's given him a chance to maybe branch out, expand his recruiting horizons. Yep. And he just a more polished coach. And to me, it's not even a debate where he should be coaching. It should be linebackers and or edge rushers. Yeah, That's where he needs to be because this guy got it done with Fred Warner. I remember that recruiting process in 2014. It was BYU and USC down the stretch. And Kelly Papinga was massive in getting Fred Warner to BYU. Massive. And then he developed him, and Fred Warner became an all-timer at BYU, and now he's an all-pro in the NFL. This guy knows talent. He knows how to identify talent. And I love that he understands that BYU's got to go into big-time battles. It's no longer, let's go offer the guy that's got no offers, and we know we'll get him. No, go time, go get some big-time battles. That's what BYU needs in this program. And you know what I love about both of these hires? Because uh, it applies to Jay Hill as well, but uh, for K-pop... There's not that pre-existing uh, defensive identity that aligns with Kalani. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying he comes from a different New opinions background. Too, though. New opinions. Yeah. He had it with Bronco. And I am personally someone who I think Bronco was the best defensive mind BYU's ever had in the history of BYU football. So if you have some time with Bronco, 
I'm good with that. But he also has it away from Bronco. Yeah. So he has a well-rounded, uh, you know, experience to dwell on to maybe add, as you mentioned, some different opinions from maybe what Kalani experienced under Kyle Whittingham at Utah. So I just think it is a, a good thing. And you hear this all the time in the business world. Like, great CEOs are always hiring people from different backgrounds to bring different perspective. And that didn't exist on the defensive staff. That defensive staff had never changed under Kalani Satake, and it was all guys he brought, and they were all like-minded. And, you know, did it work at times? Yeah. But it didn't work well enough. And now let's bring in all these different personalities and experiences, and let's create a new defense. And that's what we're going to see, guys. It's not going to be drop eight. Now, drop eight's going to be a part of it because it's it's a part of college football, but this defense is going to be multiple. It's going to be aggressive. They're not going to get gashed in the run game and not do something about it. Like, that's what I'm I'm really looking forward to. This staff, because of their experiences, and they will be able to scheme, and I think better yet, they'll be able to make in-game adjustments on the fly. That's been a sorely lacking situation for BYU that – you know, maybe the first quarter you're ha- you're hanging strong and your schemes outworking you outworking the opponent, but you get that second half, that team on the offense makes the adjustments and BYU doesn't know how to respond. Or in the first half, your game plan doesn't work yep. and you wait to halftime to yeah. sw- to fix it. That that's gone too. Because yeah. sometimes you can't wait two quarters. You can't. And and I think that Kelly Papinga is a is a very good hire for BYU and and I think that this this staff is is coming together nicely. And to your point, Matt about bringing in different opinions and backgrounds. Think about how the offense was formed when Jeff Grimes got brought in in 2018. Jeff Grimes came from LSU. Aaron Roderick came from Utah. Fessy Sataki came from Weber. You know, it, it was like a collection of guys, A.J. Stewart at that time. Bunch of different opinions from different backgrounds, different coaching trees, and they all came together, and now the offense is in a good spot. I still think that people listening would probably think, you know, the offense – could get better, but I, I, I'm not going to knock that group. I think Aaron Roderick still, the quarterback spot's been good, and we'll talk more about that coming up a little bit later in the show, but uh, different opinions are good. One guy that will stay on the defensive staff, though we teased it, General Guilford. He's going to Love be retained it. on Jay Hill's defensive staff. Very important get because General has great connections in Southern California. He's done a nice job in the transfer portal with getting an uh, assembly of talent. The past defense this year, not good. Didn't live up to the uh, the title he gave of the best secondary since 1996. But I think col- personnel collection, he, get, he gets guys in the program. And he's got a lot of young DBs that he has connections to that he recruited. You don't want to lose those guys. So it was an important get to keep Gennaro. And they also want to try to close and get some heralded recruits too that are in that defensive secondary. So Gennaro was a, was a big get and the most important one. And it was also a big get, too, because his background is just so different from Jay Hill and Kelly yeah. Papingas. So he's not of the faith, but he played at BYU, had challenges at BYU, and, and stuck with it. That is a good recruiting asset to have on the staff. Kevin Clune, Preston Hadley, their jobs are being evaluated. But earlier in the week, Kalani did say at his bowl prep, they're going to be leaning heavily on the analyst. Kind of, kind of... Give you a little Here's bit the of thing. If they the said lines. This is just me reading between the lines. I'm not saying they're gone, but you announce Guilford's back and you say that right. these two aren't. It's hard not to connect right. the dots here and say they're not coming back. But News, traffic, and weather coming up next. We'll take a timeout. Then, Jay Hill, you'll hear from BYU's new defensive coordinator coming up next here on Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by kslsports.com. This is Cougar Sports Saturday. 
Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. By Cougar fans or Cougar fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in. KSL News Time, 12.35 p.m. on this Saturday afternoon, December 10th. We're joined now by BYU assistant head coach Jay Hill. We spoke with Coach Hill earlier in the week, moments after he was introduced as the new associate head coach and defensive coordinator. And, Jay, you grew up a few minutes up the road from BYU. What's it like to be a coach on the staff now and back at at Utah County? It was. You know, when I was little, I remember it was just a quick drive over to football games and basketball games and my dad's brothers were all professors here at BYU and obviously took a huge liking to the games. I still remember deer hunting when I was a little kid and my uncles would have these little radios that they'd be trying to dial in the station so that we could hear it up on the mountain. But, you know, BYU football games were a huge part of growing up. And um, I, I guess in a way it's kind of like coming home. <laughs> <laughs> what was the pitch, Coach, that Kalani ultimately made that put things over the top for you to take this job? Well, I mean, I don't think he had to talk real hard just because of my respect for him and his program. Uh, I had at the time three coaches that had coached with me at Weber State here on this staff. Uh, I had other guys like Aaron Roderick and Al Papunu that I had coached with as well. Um, so there were so many people that I already knew down here. And then, you know, my just my uh, my comfort level with Kalani and the way he runs his program, the way he cares about his players, uh, that was a big part of this. Um, but the, the sales pitch didn't have to be very big. I knew about BYU going to the Big 12. I know about the success that they've had, um, you know, throughout their storied history, not just the last couple of years. But uh, it's something that I knew – could go in the right direction, will go in the right direction, and, and it's a great time to be part of it. Coach, how much did the Big 12 play a role in, in making that move, just knowing that, you know, BYU's for the first time in their existence going to be playing on the biggest stage of college football? No, that was huge. I, I think that this is something that Tom Homo and the other administrators have done a phenomenal job with, of placing BYU exactly where they should be. Uh, put them in a big-time Power 5 conference that's very, very respected, and uh, it was a big part of it. And it's going to be a big part of it to recruits. It's going to be a big part of it to just the success that we have moving forward. And like I said, I, I was just super excited to be part of where, where this place is going. Coach, uh, I, from what I've read and followed you from afar, uh, seeing your time at, at Utah and Weber State, I, I Dare I say, one of your mentors has got to be Kyle Whittingham, and if it's and if your defense is similar to a Kyle Whittingham type of defense, how difficult is this to teach that system and and scheme? How difficult is it to teach? Well, um, everybody knows my uh, respect for Coach Witt and um, just ha- how big of a mentor he was to me, and I can't. I can't thank him enough just publicly or personally just for everything he's meant to me and, and the knowledge that I've gained from that guy. Uh, the defense, I think, is special. It's it's not far from the one I played in. It's not far from the one I watched him coordinate many years. Um, 
you know, there's tweaks and changes. There's things that evolve. There's things you get better at, um, but it's very similar. My philosophies on how I study film and and what I try to do as far as game planning and scheming opponents, I think I would I would hope it's similar. Um, but but then again, you got to put your own personal flair and and flavor on it and 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 do with it what you want to do that matches uh, your personnel. It matches you know, what, what you're feeling that particular week. And um, that's where I hope I can, you know, take things to a, a level that's going to be super successful is just putting my own flair um, back into what I want to call and how we want to do it. A few more moments here with the new defensive coordinator and associate head coach Jay Hill on Cougar Sports Saturday. Coach, uh, we know that uh, you mentioned that earlier that Gennaro Guilford will be retained. How quickly do you want to finalize the rest of your defensive staff? I think that all depends. Uh, I don't want to get pigeonholed into saying it's going to be in the next day or two or the next little bit. Uh, Kalani and I need to sit down and now with uh, with uh, Kelly Papinga and, and also Gennaro, we need to sit down and decide what are the two best fits to come back in on this defensive side of the ball and help us win championships and help us to recruit the right players here. I'm not dead set on that 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 decision has to be in the next couple of days we need to get the best people in and have this thing set ready to roll successfully in the future but I'm, I'm not tied to any particular time frame when you were a player coach at utah i know you're on the defensive side but byu defenses of old under lavelle used to have huge defensive linemen i know uh, one of our colleagues you mentioned uh byron frisch hans olsen guys like that, uh, you know, is, is that kind of the the traits that you want to see in BYU defensive linemen and maybe physical traits that you want to see in a lot of these positions along the defensive side? Well, so I believe this. you got to look the part, right? And we need to be playing with and, and recruiting NFL caliber guys that can grow into be NFL-type guys. And that's the expectation for me. I mean, we had that at Weber State. We got – D lineman playing in the NFL. Taron Johnson's one of the top corners in the NFL right now. And if we had that ex- expectation at Weber State, I for sure expect to, you know, enhance that and take it to another level here. And so, yes, we want big, massive front guys that are going to play the, the game the right way. We want to be physical up front. We want to stop the run. We want to be able to play and have an athletic secondary where, you know, we don't have to always protect them. We want to be able to put those guys in man-to-man. We want to be able to disguise and and create confusion for quarterbacks. I, I don't want to have to protect for, uh, position groups. I want to be able to have big-time guys uh, that I know we can win with. We need Fred Warners, and we need um, Van Oys coming off the edge. We need big-time guys in here that they've had in the past, and, and I know we can recruit those guys here. I know you've only been at BYU. This is the first day officially, but – do you think it's possible to recruit those big-time guys in an era of NIL, in an era of the transfer portal? Can that happen at BYU? What did Kalani tell you that really is maybe the blueprint of recruiting at BYU? Well, I, I would not be here if I didn't believe that. Um, we, we all know the power of BYU sports in the state of Utah and the amount of boosters and people that can stand behind the program. And do we have to expand NIL? Absolutely. Do we have to get in the game with trying to take care of our players the best way possible? Absolutely. That's a critical part of moving forward and being successful. 
Uh, I know administration's on board with those things that we need to do. I know that the fans will be on board with what we need to do to continue to have great players here. And then we've got to do a phenomenal job of bringing the right ones here and developing them. Um, but if I didn't feel that we could do that, um, then I wouldn't have been as excited about this this job and this opportunity. Last thing for Coach uh, Jay Hill, new defensive coordinator and associate head coach here in Cougar Sports Saturday. Uh, a week from now, BOU will wrap up their 2022 season with a bowl game against SMU. How do you envision your next week, two, three weeks as you kind of get familiar with this new role? Well, I'm going to actually run out of practice right now and start assessing talent, start assessing the players. Um, Kalani and I have already spoken uh, at length about what that looks like for the next week. You know, I'm trying to be around the players as much as possible. I want to get to know them. I want to get to know them. I want to get to know their families. I want to get to know them as people, what makes them tick. Uh, because if I'm going to try to get the best out of them here in the next, uh, you know, a couple of years, I've, I've got to, I've got to know how to push them. So that's going to be a critical part. Um, I'm also going to get very involved in recruiting. There's a couple top-notch guys in the next uh, couple of days that I got to get out to see. We've got to land top-notch guys, and we got to be able to learn them here. And that's going to be a critical part of what I'm doing. Um, I don't think I'll be that heavily involved in the scheme or anything that they're implementing or calling on game day. That's not my role right now. I, I'm not familiar enough with anything that they've done to this point. That would not be fair to the players to do that. So uh, I don't envision that being my role, but I will very uh, much spend my time getting to know these players and who they are. He's the new man on the BYU coaching staff. He is Jay Hill. Coach, we appreciate the time. Congrats again to you and your family, and uh, you've had a lot of success at Weber State, and uh, uh, appreciate uh, your time with us today, and uh, nothing but the best. Look forward to covering your time here at BYU. Heck yeah, I can't wait. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I can't wait either. Jay Hill got me fired up. I, I think that's going to be a good hire, Matt. I think this guy is going to be really good for BYU, and I think that I, I love that he wants BYU to be in the upper echelon of the Big 12 and, and competing at a high level in so many facets. And there's going to be a lot of work for BYU to accomplish that. And, uh, you know, one of those big pieces going forward, Matt, and as we ne- we're nearing a timeout here, the transfer portal. It's a big talking point right now in college athletics. The transfer portal window is open. BYU has had some guys enter that portal. We'll hit on that coming up next. What's going on with BYU's football portal of movement we'll get you up to speed on all of that and we'll also talk about the quarterback situation too so we'll take a take a break and on the other side we'll get to the transfer portal talk with byu football it's cougar sports saturday powered by ksl sports you better watch out you better not cry you better not pout i'm telling you why santa claus is coming Welcome back to Cougar Sports Saturday. Christmas season is upon us, and uh, unfortunately for BYU football, there haven't been that many good gifts in the portal up up to this point. A lot of coal and not a lot of gifts. You know, honestly, though, Matt, I don't think Cougar fans should be that worried, though. Why do you say that? Because I think that, you know, when I think it's a shock to the system to see seven guys in the portal. And five years ago, seven players transferring out, you would have thought, oh, no, what's going on? There must be some drama. There must be some issue in the program. I just, I'm not telling people how to fan. I'm not doing that. And, like, you have every right to fan how you want. But I think that just because a guy enters the portal now, 
it might not be an indictment of a program. It might just simply be, hey, there might have been some back-channel talking about NIL opportunities. I, I don't know. Right. And also, too, if you lose guys from a defense that was 100th in scoring defense, are we really losing sleep over it? I mean, look. That's, that's a fair point. It's just like I'm to the point, Matt, where with BYU football, what the product we saw this year was soft in so many ways, and they underachieved. And if you don't want to be on board with this and rebuild it and bring it up in the Big 12, well, there's the door. I, it's <laughs> right. just that's what it is to me. And that sounds maybe cutthroat. And the thing is, not blaming any players. I'm not one of those guys that's like, the portal shouldn't be around. This is not college football. I like the portal. I'm okay with it. But, you know, when money starts to get involved, there's going to be a little more criticism. There's going to be a lot more, uh, you know, blowback where people can kind of go in on on the student-athletes a little bit more. I still kind of I still err on the side of caution with that because they're not making the mega millions like pro athletes. But that's what comes with this now. When money starts to get involved, there's going to be more criticisms. I, I think that BYU will be okay. They will find players out of this portal. But right now, as you said, it has been more cold because the guys that have been – it's been guys leaving rather than coming in. And those players that have left, Logan Fano, he's headed to the Hill. He's going to Utah. Jacob Conover, he's going to Arizona State. Maybe the most productive player out of this group, Keenan Pilly. Last night he announced that he is entering the transfer portal. Offensive lineman, former freshman All-American Campbell Barrington, he's in the portal. Tate Romney, a former three-star recruit, he's in. Down Holker, we knew that. And then, of course, Terrence Fall, wide receiver, kind of a developmental guy. You know, I think Fano's a huge loss. I think Keenan Pilly's a loss. Campbell Barrington's a loss. And I think Conover, too, is a loss. But I think it'll be okay, Cougar fans. I'm not – don't don't be doom and gloom and worried. Whenever there's change, whenever there's underperforming seasons, guys are going to want to look elsewhere and kind of look at other opportunities. That's all fair. I, I think – some fans, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think some fans' anger is probably pointed at the portal in itself. Mm. I think there are some issues with the portal right now. Um, I don't like the idea of, and we can't prove this, but there's plenty of whisperings. I don't like the idea of guy is on scholarship at another university, has not yet entered the portal, but he's being recruited to go somewhere else. Yeah, it's back-channeling. It's, it's happening. I know. Of course yeah, it's yeah, happening. Yeah. I, I really dislike that yeah. because I, I don't think that's fair. That's That comes back to like tampering in the NBA. It, it's, it's, it's a big problem because there may not have been a problem for a couple of these people, but if they're getting offered a lot of NIL money somewhere, then that's going to that's gonna appeal to them. So... And maybe the anger should be directed at NIL a little bit, and that it's it's not really about name, image, and likeness. It's just about getting paid, and you know that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. But I I think when we look at some of the specific individuals, um, a few of them are are a bit surprising, and I just wonder had their careers played out differently, would they be in this situation? Like Campbell Barrington's a good example. I think to me, it's just simply. He didn't play. That dude yeah. wants to play. Oh, understandable, yeah. He, and he, he feels like he wants to play, and I totally get that. And Jacob Conover is another good one, too. And We might save that one to the next segment to really dive deep on the quarterback situation. But he's been at BYU for a long time, didn't play, and this year was really head-scratching for Jacob Conover. But, man, it's this has not happened to BYU in the transfer portal era. I think that's also part of it, where all of this has been happening to other schools, but it wasn't happening to BYU. Because it was love and learn and Kalani, you know, we're retaining our guys. 
that narrative's kind of gone now, and it, and it just makes you wonder, like, what do you have to do to build a program that can be sustained? That's a good point, and I think it's kind of worked out in timing because you're right. This is the first transfer portal cycle where some big names are, are entering from BYU. BYU's been fortunate since the portal began in 2018 where – in 2018, it was a young football team. It was a youth movement. It was kind of like, you know, Zach Wilson, Lopini, all these young guys were kind of coming together, Gunnar Romney. And it was, you know, we're going to build something and reinvent BYU football. And then 2019, they had moments of success, but still young. And then 2020 was a breakthrough. And you're like, yeah, I want to be part of this. We're all winning. We're having all the success. And then 2021, it's all success too. And you're running it back. And it's a veteran group. And... You didn't want to leave that because you're just having all the success. And I think the the feeling was this rocket ship's just going to keep climbing. Yep. And BYU's going to win 11 games. And yep. they're going to be a top 10 team. And then you severely underperform. You go 7-5. and five. The defense is a downright mess. The offense had its issues, too. They weren't immune from it. And there's a lot maybe more finger-pointing going on in that love-and-learn culture. It, it naturally happens. When losing and adversity happens, you're going to have some more finger-pointing and and that, that's going to happen. And and I think also, too, that, you know, I think there's also that element, as you noted, with NIL where some guys maybe are nearing the end of their college careers and they signed long ago before NIL was allowed. And they might think, you know what, if this is going to just be, you know, six and six, seven and five football, and this might be my last year of putting on the pads. I might want to see what my market's like, what I could get. And you understand that yeah. if you're a tw- like, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a 22, 23-year-old. I would have loved a, a chance to get 50,000 or what I don't I don't, I'm just throwing out a number. I don't right, know. Right. But it's you know, I, I think that plays a role too. And and also there's the factor of did guys get better this year in the program? And I don't think there meant there was many guys that I point to and say they got in, a lot better than what they were the previous year. So there might be questions and and also too on the defensive side when you have a new DC He's naturally going to have changes, and some guys like we love the hire of Jay Hill, but some guys might say, "I don't fit with that. I don't. I don't work with that. I don't mesh with that. I'm out." So there's a lot of factors in play. I do think that BYU will be aggressive, and I think there will be more names probably after the bowl, because I think some guys like, "Hey, if I'm this can be my last go at BYU, I'm going to get the bowl swag, get to get the bowl gift suite, <laughs> go enjoy some chili peppers in Albuquerque. I don't know." Uh, and Is that then, a thing. <laughs> Kalani brought it up. It, it, it's like the bold <laughs> tradition for BYU. Last year, Kalani brings up, I'm just so excited to to taste the food, and the Cajun food in uh, Shreveport. You, was and, it any good? It was okay. I mean, it doesn't taste great after you lose the UAB. <laughs> Me and Jeremiah <laughs> Jensen are sitting there like, what did we just witness? It had sleet on us. It's rain. Like, this place is terrible. Albuquerque should be better, but I mean, no, it's Albuquerque in February. I don't think it's going to be I've much better. I've never met a All person right. that says, hey, I'm traveling to Albuquerque. I've never <laughs> met that person. Anyway, we got to take a break. Hour number two coming up next. We'll talk more about the quarterback future for BYU and maybe the short-term future as well. It's Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports. This is Cougar Sports Saturday. Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar Fans. More Cougar Fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday.
Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maiamonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. What is up, Cougar Nation? Welcome into hour number two of Cougar Sports Saturday. We had Jay Hill on in hour number one. If you missed that interview with BYU's new defensive coordinator, you can find it on our podcast feed wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Good interview with the new defensive coordinator. I think his approach will be something that BYU fans resonate with. His, uh, His style, his aggressive nature... I think that's what we have wanted yeah. for a couple of years. He's going to bring it. So, and, and, and there is things with Elisa Tuiaki. You know, he stepped down, and I'm not trying to you know bag on Tuiaki or anything like that. But he's moved on and, and things like that. But there were things in Tuiaki's tenure that he was almost his own worst enemy. Yep. Where acknowledge that not many changes happened coming into the season. Last year was not good. 2021 was not good, and then it just it, it bottomed out this year, and then. The lack of importance with sacks. I mean, I just feel like there is an importance to getting sacks. There, it, it matters. And look what that Stanford game. BYU got three sacks in that game, and BYU's defense was playing with energy, even though they were giving up passing yards. It's like that is such an important piece to defenses. And look, I think Jay Hill is. He probably had a. He probably did his homework and understood what Cougar Nation wants. We'll see if it actually plays out. Uh, he's got to get the personnel to go do that. But he's saying the right things so far, and uh, that's all you can ask for yeah. at this point. This guy's had a track record of success. He's had some great defenses at Weber State. I'm really curious to see how it plays out in the Big 12 level. I'm also curious, Matt, to see how the offense in the Big 12 uh, goes moving forward. BYU has a fascinating situation at quarterback, which we might learn uh, next week at the New Mexico Bowl. Oh, yeah, there is a game next week, Matt. BYU is going to be playing there SMU <laughs> in the New Mexico Bowl next week. You'll hear from the New Mexico Bowl executive director coming up in hour number three, Jeff Symbiata. BYU is going to take on the Mustangs, 5.30 kick. We'll have our regular show at noon. But there's a lot of questions about Jaron Hall. And it, reasons for that is because Jaron suffered an ankle injury in that Stanford game. And since that Stanford game, Kalani Satake has said he's banged up. He didn't. He said he said he's banged up. He's not out. He's banged up. So it leaves a, an opening for uh, who's going to be that quarterback. And oh, by the way, since that Stanford game, Jacob Conover's in the transfer portal. Yeah, and uh, he's committed to another program. He's off to Arizona State. They hired Kenny Dillingham, who was at Oregon. He did wonders. With Bo Nix last year. We and saw firsthand. Yeah, yes, we did. <laughs> Holy smokes. Sheesh. That was tough to watch in Eugene. Anyways, uh, he's off to Arizona State. I don't necessarily think that means he'll be the next starting quarterback at Arizona State, but what really stings about the Jacob Conover transfer is that he came in highly recruited and he left, and we have no idea what he could have been. He was never given an opportunity to showcase his ability. Even going back to 2021, in which he comes in in relief of Baylor-Romney, and they don't let him do a whole lot against Utah State, and then you think he's going to play against Boise State. Jaron Hall rushes back. You know, it's kind of interesting. The two times they rush Jaron Hall back from injury, he doesn't look any good, and they lose those football games. So it's it just seems obvious to me that this coaching staff did not believe in Jacob Conover, and I just, I'm wondering why. Uh, it has to come back to practice 
but we can't let practice be the end-all, be-all right. for whether guys play. We've seen it too many times, Mitch, at BYU, where so-and-so is no good at practice, guys get hurt, and then what do you know? James Lark can play. What do you know this year? Hinkley Ropati looked pretty dang good. And that was the guy we kept hearing, not good at practice, fumbles at practice. Might play special teams, might go to defense. Yeah, And then he comes in and he's got speed, he's got agility, he's got vision. I'm like... Was this guy never going to play? He's playing some ball, man. He, he looked great. And after one performance against Boise State, Kalani's like, he's he's got to play. Well, you know what? A lot of these guys need an opportunity to show themselves in a game, not just handing the ball off. Like, he needed to play the offense. He never got that opportunity, and that's what bothers me the most about the Jacob Conover transfer is that this coaching staff never gave him a shot to see what he could have. And for those of you saying, well, he wasn't good enough in practice, I don't care. Like, some guys just aren't great in practice. Well, and also, too, when it comes to the practice angle as well, when you know that maybe you're behind the eight ball a little bit, you're maybe overthinking things. And, and sometimes if you don't have that game film, I'm not, I'm not, we're not sitting here saying that Jacob Conover's this, uh, would have been this all Big 12 quarterback. But we don't future, know. But we don't know. Yep. We don't have any intel. And suddenly, his absence in the short term leaves a real dilemma for BYU if Jaron Hall cannot go. Uh, you know, because that ankle, you know, Jaron has, and we bring this up because Jaron has had a track record where he's not going to disclose like the full extent of his injury. No. When he cracked his ribs last year, he said he was fine. He was going to play. And then he, <laughs> he was sidelined and clearly was, he was banged up. The guy is tough as nails. Like, Jaron Hall, I'm not knocking him. Like, I get it. You're not going to be releasing all your injury list to, to us. I get that. I'm not telling you you need to. But there's a track record and, and also the Notre Dame game. When after that game they lose to Notre Dame, Jaron, was your shoulder bothering you? No, I'm 100. percent I'm fine. Like, no, it wasn't. You know, so yeah, so yeah. again, I'm bringing that I up know, because that's, thinking back and that's a joke. <laughs> I'm fine. And then all the coaches are like, he was really <laughs> banged. But I bring that up because after the Stanford game, I'm fine. It's gonna be okay. But you just never know with these ankles. And and for him too, he's got to think about his future. He's not playing so against he, New Mexico. So if he can't play in that New Mexico Bowl, yep. Who do you turn to now? And you then have a banged-up Cade Finnegan who was dealing with an ankle injury the week of the Boise State game. He was, in a, he was in a boot. Last we saw him, actually, was on Wednesday before you took off yep. to Stanford. We were doing a little social media video. Cade Finnegan was walking down the stairs from the third level of the athletic building. First day with no boot, and yep. it took him a good two or three yep. minutes to get down those stairs. Now, that was a couple of weeks ago. Right. He could have healed since then. Be okay. But, man, I kind of looked at that and was like, dude's <laughs> probably not going to be well, right. If you're him, you're looking at this saying, if if there's a real chance for him to play, this is my chance. It's be- his only chance. Yeah, it's, it's his opportunity. And then the other quarterbacks that they have right now is Nick Billups, a preferred walk-on. And Soljay Mayava-Peters. I think it's Soljay against SMU. Yeah, I, you know, like... I've always thought it's interesting, and again, I, I'm take it with a grain of salt. I get it, but I, I've always thought it's noteworthy that Aaron Roderick has not just said with Soul J, "Oh, we're switching in positions." You know, he was a guy coming out at a high school. As an eighth grader, he was viewed as a potential four or five star quarterback, and then he kind of hit a little bit of a ceiling in the back half of his, of his prep career. But uh, you know, Aaron Roderick has been patient and wanted to give him opportunities to learn the offense, and he's been in that quarterback room since 2020 in the COVID year, and I think that's that's noteworthy. But also, that depth at quarterback, Matt, has kind of evaporated in a hurry. 
And it leaves, you know, some questions about the New Mexico Bowl, but also in the future, too. And we still don't know yet what Jaron's going to do officially with his future. You know, it seems like it's, it makes sense to go for the NFL, but uh, we don't know yet. You know, I think Jaron's keeping that pretty close between him and his wife, and I get that. But, you know, we got to find out soon. If you're BYU, you got to find out because really they, they got to move forward with the portal guys and figure out that whole situation <laughs> And and kind of nail down where they're going moving forward. Yeah, that's a good point. And I just feel like next year's starting quarterback is not on the roster right now. Yeah. And there's some good guys in the portal. The question is, can you get them? Because I'm, you know, we've heard rumblings of of Keaton Slovis. I would really dislike that. I don't think Keaton's a very good quarterback. I think there's a reason he left USC, and now there's a reason he's leaving Pitt. Uh, but there are guys in the portal that are leaving for other reasons, like. I don't. I don't know if you could land this guy, but Devin Leary to me is interesting. Yeah, from NC State. I, I think that BYU is going to evaluate any quarterback that's in that portal because they need to. I mean, undergrad, grad transfer, all of them. It's got to be fair game, and I think it's a nice selling point to these portal QBs. Hey, even though Zach Wilson is not, you know, doing great in the NFL right now, he's in the NFL. He was the number two pick. Yep, and that's going to sit resonate with portal QBs. And if Jaron moves on, and I know that some believe that he's just fallen off the face of the earth, no, he's going to be drafted. Jaron will be drafted. I, I'm i pretty dang confident of that. If he moves on this year, he's getting picked, and he will he will wow people in a combine setting. If he's healthy, he'll wow in a, an interview setting. He will be picked. So you're talking about potentially two back-to-back quarterbacks getting picked. That's a nice selling point to go into the portal and get guys. BYU's got to kind of figure out what the the path is. I think they got to get an undergrad at a minimum. They also got to get a grad transfer if Jaron is in fact gone. And if Jaron, that's where Jaron's piece. They got to figure out that situation with Jaron because the grad transfer market is not going to come to BYU if Jaron's still in the mix. Totally. It's not happening. Yep. So they got to figure that out with Jaron. So I'm be curious to see what his timeline is looks like. Ideally, it's by Monday because I think we're going to see a lot more movement. With this quarterbacks and these grad transfers kind of nailing down their spots next week because the academic calendar, I know that's kind of in the background, but schools will start to begin their winter or spring semester, how they'd ever deem them, uh, beginning in January. So that's coming up soon. So you got to get this sorted out and, and nailed down, and, and BYU needs to start to kind of piece together their quarterback future because right now it's, it's not in a great spot after Conover leaves. Here's a question to put you on the spot. Do you want Jaron to come back? I would love to have Jaron come back because he's an all-time quarterback at BYU, and I think he can only establish himself as an even better BYU quarterback. I think for his NFL resume or his NFL uh, profile, I don't think any of this would help him because I think, Jaron or not, BYU is going to be fighting for bowl eligibility next year. That's just re- I'm just real talk here. Yep. I-, I think that there's there's still issues with BYU. I think defensively they will be better. Because I think they will out-scheme some people sometimes with Jay Hill in the mix. But there will be, um, you know, there's questions on the offensive line. I I think there's more personnel than people are giving them credit for, but still questions. And I I just think that if if this was a team that was built to go into the Big 12 and be a disruptor right away, I'd say, yeah, Jaron, come back. Run it back one more year. But I don't think they are. I think they're a team that's fighting for bowl eligibility and scrapping to the finish line and I want Jaron to be in the national spotlight, and I don't know if BYU can provide that next year with this 
team as what we currently project them being constructed as. A lot of can change. If he came back, though, maybe you can get a lot more intriguing pieces at the skill positions and O-line uh, to come in and want to protect for that guy. I mean, that could be a huge domino that yep. could sell to a lot of grad transfers. I don't want him back, though. I want him I want him to go to the league. Yeah. I think he's an NFL quarterback. I think he's he's done all he can do. His touchdown to interception ratio improved like this year. When he's you say six you to one. When you say you don't want him back, like you are just thinking of him, right? I mean like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not saying I don't I love back, dude. Right. Come on. I'm, I was the conductor okay. of the Jaron Hall <laughs> no, train, know, for heaven's sakes. I love Jaron Hall. Right. What's best for Jaron Hall is to go pro. He's done all he can do at BYU. And I just want him to to be able to maximize his value. He's, yeah, yes. To me, he's a multi-million asset. For sure. I, I think he is. And I, I think he'd be a QB1 I in the also NFL. think this, though. Jaron Hall will be more valuable to BYU in the NFL next year than he would be at BYU. And, I, you're, and look, that is a very uh, good point because we know that the NFL matters a lot, especially to guys that aren't familiar with BYU. You say, hey, this position – we get guys to the league. Yep. All right, I'm listening, coach. <laughs> exactly. Even though I don't know much about your church <laughs> and much about your school, you say, I'm listening. Steve Young, you say Heisman, Ty Detmer, Zach in the league, Jared in the league, Taysom in the league. <laughs> That's a great point, too. If I'm Aaron Roderick, I'm saying, look, we get guys to the league. And, oh, by the way, we've got alums that still care about this place. Steve Young, who you see on TV all the time, he loves BYU football. He will talk to you. John Beck, he loves BYU football. These, these guys care. They matter. Got to take a break. On the other side, a little more transfer portal talk. What did the BYU Cougars need? Let's uh, get our thoughts on that after this. Dave, are you off next week? <laughs> he shakes his head no. Hey, you know what, Dave? <laughs> Two weeks from now, it's Christmas Eve. You're working, huh? Yeah. Well, that's like the day where we can do Christmas music. It's Christmas Eve. All right. No, I, I like Christmas music. Like, don't get me wrong. Enjoy it. But uh, When do know. you allow Christmas music to be played in your house? Uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Day Thanksgiving or the day on, after? Thanksgiving on, like, from Thanksgiving, like, day after. Does that apply Friday. to Christmas decor as well? Christmas decor, I could go, like, wait till December 20th. Are you kidding? I, I, I say that because I don't like, like, pulling it all out, like, of the, of the big bins. That's the worst part. And then part. just the mess. Like, it's nice when it's all set up. It's the best. It, it's like this, that feel, like, you got, like, a, it's like 830, you're watching some late night college basketball game. It's like this little... Nice lighting. It's yes. like it's like a good, calming vibe. I get all that, but I can wait. Like I just, I and I also dread the you know January one, the teardown. Yeah, the teardown. You're, watch, you're tough. watching the, you're watch, let's, let's not say the the other bowl, but let's say like the uh, you're watching a bowl, <laughs> <laughs> January one, <laughs> not that one with a flower. <laughs> okay, we're watching the this the citrus bowl. Anyway, that, that's never fun. Anyway, I, I I enjoy Christmas. I'm very excited this year. I will say though, this year has been very interesting in my household. Uh, I have had a my children have been greeted by two elves and also a pet every single day. They've been doing all these different things. Like they've truly heard like the things that we're talking it's about. The and it's like, house. like so my son was talking about, Hey dad, do you know what Feliz Navidad is? Like he learned it in school. And then the next day, like Buddy and Trixie, these elves they named, 
And then this fox that came in, uh, they set up in like this Fleece Navidad set up. So it's it's legit. And the uh, the magic that's going on right now. So I'm, I'm feeling a little more Christmassy. And I, I guess it's that's carried great. over into the show now with Dave pump, pumping in the, the bumpers with the music. And uh, I just got that Christmas spirit, Matt. Let's I'm, go. I'm not quite to the to the elf stage in my house, but I do have one picked out. I don't have a name for him. Maybe, maybe you can help him uh, name him. He's uh, he's a Laker elf. Okay. And I was thinking about naming AC him. Because there's an opportunity here to, to have my kids <laughs> who are really little keep calling this elf by a specific name. So I, I tentatively have him named... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the Laker Elf. I wasn't too far off saying <laughs> A.C. Green. Uh, A.C. Green, the Laker Elf. <laughs> Slava Medvedenko. Where's Slava, Dad? <laughs> he was in a trade. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. BYU football. BYU football probably like to, make, like to make some trades. Imagine that in the college football market. If there was trades that were allowed to happen, that would be interesting. Uh Transfer portal, what are the biggest needs in the portal you think for BYU? Oh, my goodness. Quarterback number one. Quarterback's number one for sure. I think after that, though, I do believe that BYU needs a few offensive linemen. Yes. I just feel like, with especially with Campbell Barrington leaving, I believe Blake Freeland's going to leave. And that probably means Kingsley shifts over from right to left. Who's going to be right tackle? Because that, that was probably going to be Campbell Barrington, right? Here's the chance is gone. So I feel like there is a definite need at the offensive line position. And I would love it if they could grab one or two grad transfers or maybe even some junior college guys to just plug the hole for a couple of years. So offensive line, I think we've seen these past couple of years you need more than five. Like, yeah. they've played more than five. So, probably offensive line for me. That has been a push from Daryl Funk already in the portal. They've after offered three transfer portal guys. Uh, running back, I think, is also another area. I think also to D-line. But D-line is, is difficult because I think you got to find some maybe FCS upgrade guys. That I'm are not worried about productive. the running back position. Really? No. I, I think Ropati deserves to be in the mix. But he's kind of it, though. Chris Brooks gone. You're out on Miles Davis? What's he done since Wyoming? I mean, I, I just think that I look. Are I, you kidding me? I'm, this dude, people were talking like this guy was a difference maker. Okay, hold on, and now you're Matt, like, what's he done, Matt? Hold on here. I, are you? They were going. BYU's going to the Big Twelve. You can't just roll with Ropati and Miles Davis. You got to get a, a grad well, transfer too, right? I want Jackson McChesney. He's Matt. gone. Don't you think he's, I mean, like he took Probably. a senior blanket. He's probably done. Which is a bummer, though. I just he's he's just another he's like in the Conover realm to me. Never really a lot of injuries though with with for sure That's for sure. a little different. But when was he ever the starting running back that got twenty carries in a game? You watch him against USC and you go, that looked nice. Totally got that game winning touchdown. You don't want to see uh, Fakahua. I want a grad transfer again. I, I, yeah, I think, you, I, maybe you're right. I, I think you got to get at least two two running backs in two? there. Look, I'm always greedy. I want more. Dude, you got to show some love to the guys who <laughs> paved away the year before. You can't bring in two. We can keep talking about this here soon. We, we got to get to another break, though. Top five coming back. We'll bring in producer Nate Slack hosting his first top five. We'll get to that next. It's Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSL Sports. This is Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. A present 
station of KSL Sports. Got it for three! Cougars by 20! Every Saturday, all year long, BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans. More Cougar fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. There is college football going on right now, Army and Navy, which uh, the uniforms are getting wild in this in this series. Uh, Navy's wearing a space helmet. Which I love, by the way. Really? It has nothing to do with hey, Navy. Josh Hewitt, Billy Nixon, we need a BYU space uniform. No, we don't. Yes. No, we don't. We need a Sailor Coog helmet no. before we get a space uniform. Dude, the space uniforms are awesome. I can't wait. I want BYU. Oh, sorry. The World Cup <laughs> is uh, on as well. France just took a 2-1 lead. Sorry to cut. I want BYU to play UCF in a space game. I need that. Okay. Well, yes. UCF space uniforms are outstanding. And Navy, come on. It That NASA lid, Amazing. It's amazing. It just has no correlation to Navy. Navy Navy is a it's a it needs to be related to the sea. Boats on sea. I, I will say I, I didn't understand the concept, but it's space, so it's cool. <laughs> like outside of sports, I just I love all things space. It's it's fascinating to me. You know what I, else is cool? I was Mitch? a planetarium type kid. Were you? I, I love the planetarium growing up as a kid. Well, I'm a, I'm a top five kind of kid. Oh Mitch. yeah, there we go. It's back. The Cougar Sports it's Saturday back. Top 5. Mitch and Matt clash in a weekly battle of BYU sports knowledge. The Cougar Sports Saturday Top 5. The Top 5 is back with a new host. And before we give him a nickname, he'll have to earn it. But we have a new producer here on the show. It is Nate Slack. And uh, we had a good intro with him a few weeks ago. Nate is a BYU grad. Spent some time, like myself, under the tutelage of Greg Rubel. And now he has joined us here on Cougar Sports Saturday. We'll have much more from Nate in the coming weeks and months as he gets up to speed. But uh, he's ready for his hosting debut of the Top 5. Nate, how's it going, man? It's going great. The Top 5 is back. We're good. Watching some football, watching some World Cup. Life's good. Life is good. And how old's your son now? He is uh, six weeks. Six weeks. Here's the good news. It's still going to be hard for another six weeks. Well, I guess that's the bad news. The good news, though, is that you're going to start to feel like you're getting more capable and it's getting easier. So usually about three to four months, you settle in and it's all good. But the the worst six are behind you. I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) (laughs) What do we have on tap today, Nate? Well, we're watching the Army-Navy game, right? And that that game always puts an end to the, the regular season for college football. Um, just a few weeks, we're going to start seeing players graduating, others hitting the transfer portal. We've already seen a handful of coaches leaving their programs. And so this week, we're going to be taking a look at the top five, um, the the P5 head coaches who have been at their programs the longest. Okay. So it's kind of stepping away from the BYU stuff for just a second. Okay. Going to look at all the college football, look at P5 coaches who have been at their programs the very longest. I love wow. this. I like okay. this. This is all great. Right. This is, Yeah. It's so I I don't need the school and the name. I'm fine with either one. Okay. Um, I don't need to know how many how long they've been there. We'll give you the name though. Give you the name. Yeah. Okay. Name, name, name and the school. Okay. So we good. need. So it's a new era. We are wiping the slate clean. Yeah. No wins 
under the Nate Slack hosted top five. And we told Nate, we're like, hey, if you don't want to do top five, we'll give you the autonomy. He wanted to bring it back, so I I, I like this. I, this will be a new era of Cougar Sports yep. Saturday, so the, the slate is clean. Zero, zero. Who is going first? Uh, let's, let's do a coin flip. Okay, let's do a quick okay. coin, flip. Mi- coin flip. Mitch, you have the honors. You call Okay, it. I'll call heads. We're doing a flip here. Flipping, flipping. Heads. We got heads, so Mitch is going to start us okay. off. I'm, I'm completely opposite of BYU. I actually won a coin toss this year. <laughs> <laughs> that was the craziest luck. It I think really BYU was, was 2-10 this year in, in coin tosses. All right. So I get to start. Longest tenured Power 5 head coaches in college football right now. Yep. Uh, Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz comes in at number one. Oh, yeah. There number you go. Number one. He's been with Iowa for 24 years. He's got a record of 185 and 115, so winning percentage was 617. One crazy thing about Kirk is he, uh, he's he got 24 seasons under his belt. He has three losing seasons, and two of those came in his first two years. Interesting. He he is a guy that somehow survives in uh, in college football. Like he's had success, as you noted, but it's like it's feels like they're just kind of spinning their wheels, doing the same thing. All right, I'll go with um, I'll go with uh, hopefully an easy one here. Nick Saban. Nick Saban rounds out the top five. He comes in at number five. He's, he's oh. been at Alabama for 16 years, uh, 193 and 27, so winning percentage of 877. Um, but, yeah, never played BYU in his 16 years at Alabama. There is an NFL Films documentary called A Football Life. I don't know if either of you guys have watched any of those. I, yeah, I love, There's I love one on Nick life. Saban that will, it will change how you view Nick Saban. Like, I used to be, I hated Alabama, never wanted him in the national championship, hate, hate, hate. I watched his football life, and me and my wife were like, all right, maybe maybe we're, uh, maybe roll tight, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, Nick Saban, uh, probably the best football coach in college football history, right? Yes, no question. He's one of those guys that when he speaks about a topic, to me, it, it should resonate in college football. Like if he says, hey, we should all play all Power 5 schedules. I, I, I think he always has a good pulse of the sport, and whenever he speaks, it, it's, it's, he's one of those few coaches that everyone should listen because, yeah, he is the greatest to ever do in college football history. Okay, back to you. All right, so you. we're tied at one. Back to Mitch. All right. Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham coming in at number two on the list. Wow. Been in Utah for 18 years, 154 and 73 overall. And uh, after starting two and three against BYU, he he's now has a winning record against the Cougars. How number two crazy of a thought? Do you ever play the what if game with that with Whittingham? What if he takes the BYU job? Hold on, in that's, that's not a what if. He did take the job. Well, what if he stayed become, with the job? Stays with the job. It doesn't go to Utah. What happens to BYU football? Is he still the head coach at BYU? Because he would have joined at two thousand five. He ends up going up on the hill to replace Urban Meyer. Do you think Witt would had that level of success that Nate just laid out at BYU? Do you no, think he would have? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Look, Utah's trajectory has been very different from B, from BYU. Like you, a lot of like half of his time has now been a Power Five coach. True. He's had way more resources than BYU's had for the second half of his career. I just and he has never had the recruiting hurdles that BYU has. Yeah, I, I, it's just kind of always an interesting thought because it had so many layers to it. Because then it never had. If he takes that job, does Bronco Mendenhall ever have become a head coach? Because Bronco was going to go to UNLV as the defensive coordinator under Mike Sanford, 
and then it just it's it's kind of a fascinating what if and what happens to Utah as a program? Do they even go to the Pac-12? That's a good point. You know because. A lot of it was tied to that success of the Fiesta Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. I know there was the other elements of, uh, you know, not being an L. I, I, we're not even getting into that, but there, it's just it's a fascinating thought when you when you kind of dive into it about what that could have. I almost should do an off season article, like what if, like the layers that that would have caused that would the be ripple a great effect. Article. Because so many people would have been impacted by that. Does Kalani end up being a DC at BYU? And then he just gets elevated. It's just it's kind of fascinating when you think about it. Very fascinating. R.S. Mitch takes a two-one lead. All we're right. Back to Matt. Woo! No misses yet either. Nope. We know we're college football here on Cougar Sports <laughs> we Saturday. Do. I think this guy is going to miss, but I can't get him out of my mind. Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney just misses out. He's at number six for ah. fifteen years. Ah, oh, that's that was a good guess. That was a good guess. Uh, I'm going to go with. This is where it gets tough. Yes. Uh, gosh, I, you know, I'm going to go say, gosh, I would have said like David Shaw or something, but he's now gone at Stanford. Um, Gosh, uh, gosh, I'm thinking here. I know it's getting tricky. Uh, let's say <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm stumped. Go hit, hit the buzzer on me. How about? Pat Narduzzi. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let's think about this. And gosh, there's so many. Just every program that I think of, they all there's, had a coaching change. There's so much change in college football. It's pretty remarkable. Jeff Tedford. Uh, he left for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he came back to Fresno this year. They won the Mount West this year. Hmm. I don't think he's been here long enough. So, Jim Harbaugh, 2015 for him. Yep, his first game was up in Salt Lake. I remember that. Uh, how about let's say? I hmm. think I have one. Go ahead, you say it. Mike Gundy. There ah, we go. Geez. Mike Back Gundy. In. He's a man. He's 40. He comes <laughs> in at number three on this list. What? He's number three. He's been at Oklahoma State for 18 years now. Dang. So 18 years, he posted a 1-56-74 and 74 record. And I cannot believe he's yeah, been there for 18 three. years. Here's an interesting thought when you bring up Gundy. Is he the best coach in the new Big 12? I mean, longest tenure, oh, yes. Man. But, like, I know that's just on the It's spotter. hard not to be jaded by what happened this past year. because yeah. They a, bottomed out. They bottomed out, but probably, don't yeah. you think? I think so. Him or Dave Aranda. I would have said Luke Fickle, but then he bolts for Wisconsin. Yep. And uh, that's interesting. Uh, how about this? So you, it's tied up at two. Longest tenured Power 5 coaches in college football, correct? Yep. Uh, let's see. How about – I'm trying to just think of what programs would have – can we get any sort of hint? BYU's never played this team before. Okay. Okay. That's a, it's an interesting hint. Okay. How about uh, – <laughs> Mitch is struggling. Mm-hmm. Gus Melzon. How about Matt Campbell? Dang it! He played Iowa State in the in the Lavelle years. Yeah, when they had uh, the former Ohio State coach there coaching at Iowa State. Uh, I'll add that this this name surprised me more than anybody else on the list. 
G5 or P5? It's P5. It's P5 only. Oh, yeah, yeah. What am I saying? Uh, how about... Man, this is, this is difficult. It is... Uh... PJ Fleck. We're going, we're going rapid fire now. Dave Clawson? Any other hints? He has just about a 500 record. He's 110 and 101. He's been there that long? Jeez. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll add one more. He's in the Big Ten. He's a Big Ten coach. Okay, Big Ten coach. Brett Bielema. This is insane. Uh, Greg Schiano. That's a good guess. Uh, oh, there we go. Pat Fitzgerald. Ah, Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. Yep, that's a good. That's that's a good list. That Fitzgerald's was. a good coach. I mean, Northwestern's always that program that Bronco always had that uh, love love affair with. There was always who would you want to play? Bronco as an independent team. <laughs> You know, the military academies, et cetera, or uh, Northwestern. You go, wait, wait what? <laughs> Northwestern? Gosh dang it. Mitch gets Pat the first one in the Nate Slack era. Ah! That was a good list. So re- recap it again for us. The, long, the longest five tenured coaches. Yeah, starting at number five, we have Nick Saban at Alabama for 16 years. Number four, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern for 17. Number three, Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State for 18. Number two, Kyle Whittingham. Uh, tied with Gundy for 18 years at Utah. And the number one, Kirk Ferentz, Iowa, 24 years. Kalani quickly moving up the ladder in, in tenure. Yeah. Seventh season wrapping up next week. Crazy. Kalani is is approaching a decade, and it seems like it was it's almost a new beginning going into the Big 12. And you wonder how much time that you know he hits. I, I don't think he would have been a 10-year guy if he wasn't uh, if BYU wasn't going to the Big 12. I think he would have moved on. Yeah. Or maybe BYU moves on from him. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, you know, Kalani's climbing up that uh, tenure because, you know, Ferentz doesn't seem like he's leaving anytime soon, but Whittingham's been a guy that said, I'm not for long in coaching. We'll, we'll see. That's that's good list. Good stuff, Nate. You can follow Nate on Twitter, at NateSlack5, on social media, and he'll continue to hold it down. Our new producer here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Love it. Got to take a break. On the other side, we'll keep talking some BYU football. Back after this. You're a mean one. Mr. Grinch. This is a targeted really attack at Mitch Harper. <laughs> this is not me. I'm not the Grinch. Allegedly, you are, according to Dave. <laughs> he says you are the Grinch. It is one of my favorite you're movies. A it's a tremendous a movie. I will say Grinch cartoon is, is awesome. Six, 1966, Dr. Seuss, one very good. Jim Carrey, those are outstanding. That's, that, are you going to watch the movie, The Mean One? <laughs> I did see that trailer. <laughs> That's crazy. And yes, I'm intrigued. You're kidding me. You're not going to watch it. that. I might. It's on uh, some streaming platform I might watch. <laughs> here's, a, here's a serious question for you, though. We're having a good time. We're talking BYU football. Been doing it all day. On the other side, you have a great conversation coming up. Yeah, New Mexico Bowl executive directors Jeff Simbiata. He is the director of the New Mexico Bowl, also a sports radio host down in New Mexico, and he's got a long history of BYU in New Mexico, so we, we dive into the history there, and, and uh, it's a good conversation. Looking forward to that. We'll do that uh, at the top of the third hour, coming up in a few minutes, and then we do have to touch on BYU hoops. Uh, the Wolverines, winners of two in a row over BYU. 
we'll do that on the other side as well. But hearing this Christmas music, I'm I'm getting curious because I have just made you just warmed Dave's heart. It, it grew two sizes that day. What is an acceptable Wait, saying, like getting what? curious about Christmas music? Like Dave's just like thank you. Finally, I guys. have. I've been listening since July. I only have a two year old. I do have one on the way in March. So we wake up whenever he wakes up. We're not to the point where you can dictate (laughs) when the kids can get up. What is the acceptable time in the Harper's house? And I want to hear from you. Five seven five zero zero because I'm getting to the point where I need to set a precedent in my home. What is the best and appropriate time to allow kids to wake up for Christmas? This is a, a For Christmas, I was going to say, because daily it's becoming a, a real taxing deal today. My my daughter woke up at 5 a.m. I was like, oh, thank oh, you. Oh, no. Lovely. <laughs> so great. Uh, I will say Christmas Day, 6 a.m. Er, early rise. Yeah, 6. Early riser, man. Let's go. Let's get after it. It's only once a year. Let's go. 6 a.m. Like, look, if they sleep till 9, go ahead. But like, if they get up around anything after six, so if they let's wake you up, up at five, you're telling them let's, too let's bad. Hold off go back a little bit, but like six a.m. Let's. let's get I'm it thinking going. seven a.m. Yeah, seven's good. I mean, that's that's kind of the sweet spot. But I'll, I'll accept six if if need be. And last question around Christmas for you: Do you let your kids go wild and just rip in? Absolutely not. Okay, <laughs> one gift at a time. Now I will say. I did have this conversation with my wife about a week ago. I said, should we just get to the point where we let them just go hog wild? Go, go wild? And she's like, Mitch, you're saying that? Because I'm very particular about the one gift at a time. I am too, Like, let's it, Let's extend this thing, you know, and let's pass it out. Let's read the tag. Let's, when it's open, <laughs> pass it around. Like, let's look at that thing. Let's see what Santa brought. Right. You know, I, I want to, like, examine it. So, yes, I... I prefer one at a time, but I, because it's just like there's so much anticipation. Let's let this thing stretch out over a couple hours. Let's enjoy this. The thing. reason I ask is me and my wife are watching Home Alone two in the middle of the week, and at the very end they're in New York, and the toy I can't remember the toy guy's name loads them up at this hotel, and they just go they're open like one toy chest. Yes, they're open in like one minute. I'm just like, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah, Harper household, we were strict. Growing it is up. one gift at a time, and that's how it's going to be, Mitch. Amen, Amen Mitch. And uh, that's how it is. It's carried on with me. I I did kind of want to make a, a change this year, but I'm like, I can't do that. That's that's not me. We're getting texts on this, by the way. Uh, 6557, my parents want me to stay in our rooms until 7. And, of course, none of us could tell time, so we woke up at 5. <laughs> And asking if we could go out was torture. And then you got to wait till mom gets ready to get all all done but, up and ready. That's the worst part. And, and, when they get up, but then they're showering and putting <laughs> on the pajamas. <laughs> Come on. Get out here. Let's go. <laughs> Speaking of the mean one, look at that voice. Matt's getting angry. He's ready to open. <laughs> we got to take a break on the other side. We'll catch up with the New Mexico Bowl director, Jeff Simbi... How do you say this, Mitch? Simbiata. Simbiata. That's the one. Jeff Simbiata. We'll talk to him next. Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. Got it for three. Cougars by 20. Every Saturday, all year long. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans. For Cougar fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.
Welcome back in. Hour number three of Cougar Sports Saturday. One week away till BYU versus SMU in the New Mexico Bowl. 17th annual New Mexico Bowl. Second appearance all time for BYU down in the land of enchantment in the postseason. The first appearance was back in 2010 in Albuquerque against UTEP. And to talk about that New Mexico Bowl, the executive director joins us now, Jeff Symbiata, who I caught up with earlier in the week. And Jeff... Uh, BYU was once a conference foe with New Mexico and also SMU, and you arrived in the land of enchantment in 1996, so it's kind of like a full-circle moment having the old WAC foe and BYU back in New Mexico. Remember that 16-team WAC, right, with the four <laughs> quadrants, and, and, yes. and, and now they're all going back to these 16-team leagues again, it sounds like. <laughs> it's kind of crazy how things come full circle. It's good to be with you, Mitch, and looking forward to having you here at um, I mean, what are you doing? You're doing five and a half hours of pregame show. So this must be a fairly big game. Is that, is that regular five and a half hours of pregame? Yeah, so we'll have three hours with me and Matt Biamonte, and then we'll toss it over to Greg Rubel and uh, Riley Nielsen for the network two-hour pregame show. But, yeah, it's, it's a big game. And and I think this BYU-SMU matchup's got history. I think the New Mexico Bowl stage is going to be great. I mean, tell us a little bit more about the response from the locals in Albuquerque. i got to imagine they're pretty excited to maybe host BYU again in University Stadium. Yeah, no, it, the, the reception's been great as our board members and our sponsors have come in to pick up their packets and and uh, how'd you pull this one off and how'd you get this? And we love the matchup. And then, you know, on my show, um, and I, I, I do three hours of sports talk radio every morning in this market and have for the last, done this show for 14 and a half years. Uh, you know, there, there's an excitement, there's a familiarity, and we've gotten our fair share. And I know you're used to hearing this. There's people who are saying, I can't go, I can't wait to go back out there and root against BYU again. I said, come on, like, like do your thing. They're used to that. They, it's not like you've never heard that before. There, there's an excitement uh, about this matchup because there is a familiarity with both schools. And, and you know, typically we've done this 17 years now. The one uh, 2020 we, we played in Frisco, Texas, but this will be the 17th year we've done this game. And there's usually, this will be the first year without a mountain west school and so there's always familiarity with one side uh with the local fans but there, there seems to be something with both and and both of these these teams and these universities resonate with local fans there's a history and, it, and it's kind of crazy how things work out for byu I, I don't even know if you know this this game is bookending byu's independence their last game as a member of the mountain west before they went independent was the New Mexico Bowl win when BYU beat UTEP, and then their last game as an independent before you go to the Big 12 is is going to be here. So kind of crazy how it works. And then Eric Dickerson was our guest speaker at the luncheon last year, and, of course, him with the Pony Express and such a big part of that legendary 1980 Holiday Bowl. So, yeah, there, there, there's a good buzz going on here. Definitely going to be a fun game. Kickoff will be at 5.30. It's prime time on ABC Network Television, so that's a big stage. Big deal. It is. And I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that typically there's a Mountain West team, so is it safe to assume that BYU just filled the Mountain West spot and that's why it ended up being an AAC opponent in SMU? Well, it, yeah, there was this one was a, was a different process because we were alerted – um, weeks ago of the potential of the flex in the time, right? When, when the NFL had let um, let it be known that they might flex out of that Raiders game and which would uh, cause the issue in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas as far as the time to flip the field and they might have to put the Las Vegas Bowl into our original spot, all that. And so as we started talking with, and there's a lot of things and a lot of people involved in, in putting matchups together, 
Um, BYU had a uh, a contract with ESPN Events for a bowl game this year, and we're an ESPN Events owned bowl. And so I, I made it known pretty clearly I would like to have BYU in this game. I don't know when we're going to get them again, you know, with the Big 12 affiliation and with, with everything. So I made it pretty clear, and, and, and it kind of worked that, um, all right, let, let's start steering BYU this way. Well, who who how do we match it up? And you start looking, our BYU had already played Boise State, Wyoming, and Utah State this year. Um, and then Fresno State wins the league, so they're going to the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. And San Diego State had already committed to. Uh, we knew they wanted to go to Hawaii, so there, you know, there was there were options. We had to start looking around. And all right, let's. We've got um, our matchup is Mountain West pool typically, and the, the American is part of that pool. Whether it's Conference USA in the past, we've had uh, Houston before, and so let's start putting together a matchup. And that's we we just wanted to put together a game that works on primetime and. I tell you, the ABC primetime slot's a big deal, right? I mean, it, it, as you know, um, I mean, I love that ESPN slot mid-afternoon. It'll be chilly, Mitch. But um, as we started putting the game together, you know, what, what do we do? I, I think, you know, we kind of we thought we had BYU as, as one of the pieces. Now let's get them a good opponent and match up a game that's worthy of being in primetime. BYU and SMU at the New Mexico Bowl. And for fans that are going to be traveling to Albuquerque, what can they expect? Maybe from I know there's a there's a fan fest on Friday night. What are some maybe other ad, activities or or things that you would recommend for our listeners? They're going to be traveling to uh, you know partake of in in uh, the land of enchantment. Well, you're going to eat well. I know that you'll be treated well. The people here are wonderful. I've been here for 26 years, and it's um, I don't know at what point you're from somewhere, but I guess I you know I, I might be from somewhere, but I'm also from here, and and, and the people are wonderful. Come on out on Friday afternoon, four o'clock, Old Town Plaza. Um, they'll they'll have the fan. The, it, well, actually, that's the pep rally, and it's good. The bands will be out, and um, it, it, it's a fun back and forth with the fans in in Old Town Plaza. You get a real good feel of Albuquerque, and then you go have a great New Mexican meal that night. And then the games that with the game being at five thirty, the uh, fan fest the pregame will start at one thirty and uh, go till you know for four and a half hours up until or four hours I guess up until game time and there'll be bands and you know Santa will be there and all the all, all the jumpies and and displays and and just make it a big old party and and um, I've been told a bunch of times man I've got to go over like I've been by, been invited to a number of the BYU events to come over and party as I've been told BYU style and I'm looking forward to <laughs> taking part of that. Um, and, and just you know what we're doing, Mitch, we're throwing a party. It, it, it's a big party. And it, 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 the one thing we've done with this game, um, I think, you know, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, you got to be comfortable in your own skin. And, and I know who we are and I know who we're not. And, uh, and I, I, I've said this a lot over the years. You know, I get it that we're not the Rose Bowl, and I'm cool with that because the Rose Bowl is good. I'm, I'm proud that we're the New Mexico Bowl, and what we 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 don't have a margin of error. We have to do it well, and we we have for the last 16 going on 17 years. And talking to Tom Homo um, about his his memories of the game from 12 years ago when BYU was here, the memories are fun. I was talking to a number of people with BYU, and and, and we've got to do this right. Um, and and we get one shot at it a year, and so that's what we do. Heart. Our group, our hospitality people are working on making sure that the people who come to our, our destination have a great time. And we're going to treat you well, whether it is, you know, whether you like the, the dining experiences or the casino experiences, or you want to go hiking. I mean, you guys have great mountains, beautiful outdoor, too. Um, but there's so much that, that this destination has to offer. And if people are going to take a day trip up to Santa Fe, 
it's it's um, it's a wonderful spot. And I know BYU fans had frequented this when they were in the same league and maybe haven't been down here in a while. And it, it's a good time to kind of reacquaint with the land of enchantment because it's a beautiful spot. You know, when you talk about reacquainting, I'm just curious, Jeff, because you've seen you know BYU New Mexico back in the day firsthand. I love the history of of you know, like BYU and the old whack and the Mountain West days. Just curious, what are some of your favorite BYU New Mexico memories? Because I think back to those old basketball games in the pit and those that that stretch with uh, Alford and Darrington Hobson. Yeah, I was thinking of the Alford game, yeah. and, and I'm trying to remember the player. And was it Jonathan Tavernari? Yeah, Jonathan Tavernari. And called him a bleep and bleep, and, <laughs> and, and the league had a had a had a discipline uh, have a speaking with 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 Steve Alford, and it was it was caught just blatantly in the in the handshake line, and uh, so that blew up. I remember I remember that one well. I remember um, and, and BYU fans won't remember this as much as UNM fans will. Um, there was a football game in one of Rocky Long's years, and it might have even been his last year that uh, BYU was good and New Mexico was struggling. I think it was the 2008 season, and there was a phantom holding call on Byron Bell, who ended up being an NFL offensive lineman. He's actually a coach at UNM now. Um, UNM would have scored a touchdown, would have put him up in the fourth quarter, and he's still – I mean, I've looked at the play a million, which is what's there. Wasn't that the game with Aho as the kicker, I believe? What's his name, Aho? Jonathan Aho. Yeah, that's right. I think it was like 20 to, th- 20 to 17, I think. It was a tight one, and UNM scored the go-ahead, and so the people around here still talk about it. And then there's there's games from the, the people tell me from before I got here in '96 that go way back. Um, and, and then I, I I was in San Diego in in the late '80s, the mid '80s. I went to San Diego State, and I worked holiday bowls. I was a guy on the sideline working for ESPN, holding a parabolic mic back in the day, making seventy-five bucks a game, and I was living. But I was at all those great holiday bowls back in the day where it seemed like it was the BYU Invitational every year when they would win the WAC. Um, and and I, I'm not going to lie, I remember the uh, 86 San Diego State-BYU game uh, where San Diego State finally beat them. I think the score was 10-7, and San Diego State finally won the WAC and went to the Holiday Bowl that year. And that was my first time on on national TV because I was one of those idiots who stormed the field and was out in the middle when they I was watching the Sports Center that night. And you know they they did the interview with Denny Stoles, the coach said, "All right, now back to you in Bristol." And I was that idiot, I was waving his hands in, in on, on you know jumping in front of the camera. One of my prouder moments, certainly. Um, and little did I know I'd be working for ESPN all, all these years later. But you know, I got great moments with BYU. And then, of course, the, you know when they were here for our fifth annual and played UTEP yeah. and put on put on a performance. And Bronco had a great team. And Jake Keeps uh, at a wonderful, wonderful game. And what a great team. And, and the other thing I remember, Mitch, is just the people are so good. Um, it, it, the, the relationships that I made with with the BYU administration, the fans, the people over the years. I, I'm so I'm so looking forward to having you all back here in, in our game. It's going to be so much fun. I'm looking forward to it as well, Jeff. And, you know, I'm curious, too, because we wrap this thing up. I appreciate you being so gracious with your time. I know it's precious. And, and you know, the, the future of bowls is interesting to me, and I, I love the experiences that come with with bowl games, I don't think people put enough value into that. I think for these teams, they get the, the the practices and then these games, and they get to go to these these parts of the country that maybe they wouldn't go to otherwise. But I'm curious, you know, when there's a 12-team playoff era on the horizon now in 2024, what does it mean for, for a New Mexico Bowl? And like you said, you mean you, you, you acknowledge that you, it's not the Rose Bowl, but what does it mean for the future for like a New Mexico Bowl going forward? You know, Mitch, it's, it's, a, it's a real question, and, and I'd like to believe we're positioned in a good place. You know, Let's just say this was two or three years from now and there was a 12-team playoff. So I'm going to guess 
at seven and five, BYU nor SMU would be in the twelve team playoff. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. They have something a bowl to go to, and and, and I think the answer is yes. And, and I think you know the there's a hundred and I believe the number is thirty one. I saw the whack and the A center trying to have a, a D one football or FBS football league, and so everybody realistically isn't playing to get into the playoff. And and I think, you know, it's great that the playoffs expanding. It's great for college football. But I also think that there's going to be a place and, and for something for teams like these two teams who we've got this year. And I look I look up at my wall, look at all the teams. And the year Washington State played Colorado State or Arizona played New Mexico and Wyoming played Temple and Central Michigan played San Diego State. There, there's a spot for this. And I, this is a question I ask all the time, Mitch. And, and, and it comes up on my show a lot. For whom are we doing this? Right. Who are we doing it for? Is it for the guy sitting there telling me there's too many bowls with his big old belly and betting games? Okay. And my answer is then don't watch. But you know what? Millions of people are watching. It's ESPN's highest two rated weeks of the year. Are we doing it for the student athletes? Are we doing it for the communities in which these are held? If that's who we're doing it for, then the bowl system is going to survive. Who, Who are you or me or anybody else? to tell these student-athletes from BYU and SMU that, hey, you know what, you're only 7 to 5, you shouldn't go have that experience, that you shouldn't go get treated like we're going to treat you next week. They're going to come here and they're going to get treated well. They're going to have a wonderful experience, everything you just talked about. And you're right, they're not going to the playoff this year. And in an expanded playoff, they're probably not going with 7 to 5 records like they are this year. But they deserve to go to a bowl game. And this the bowl system has been something – in this country that's that's really been special over the years. And and I hope, you know, I listen to Nick Saban and say things, well, the Bulls don't mean anything. No, they do. And I've done this for 17 years. And I've watched the student athletes, the coaches, the administrators, the ones who win and lift that beautiful trophy, that unique, gorgeous trophy that we have. And I've watched the ones who didn't. And you will never, ever, ever convince me that it doesn't matter. That Now, and, and, and usually the people who are telling me there's too many games, also are telling me about my game and what happened because they freaking watched. So, Mitch, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I do firmly, honestly, wholeheartedly in my heart believe that the bowl system's got a place and and it affects so many student-athletes in a positive way in so many communities. And I think we're positioned to be a good part of it. Um, but, but, I mean, I hope you hear the passion in my voice because the, the bowl system is wonderful and it needs to live. And college football isn't just about the last 12 standing. It's, it, you know, it's there's going to be something for the rest of these teams to play for too, and there should be. Jeff Symbiotic. Yeah, it, it does, Jeff. And that's Jeff Symbiotic, executive director of the New Mexico Bowl and also host of the opening drive on 610, the sports animal in Albuquerque. So if you're going to be down there in New Mexico, listen to, to Jeff and, and uh, his work on his, on his daily sports radio show. Jeff, appreciate the time. And again, see you next week uh, in Albuquerque. Looking forward to it. No, thanks for the time. Safe travels down here. We'll see you next week. Yeah, see you on uh, Wednesday there, Jeff. I'll, I'll be flying into town uh, next week. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Jeff Symbiota here on Cougar Sports Saturday. Taking a timeout. We'll talk more about that bowl matchup between BYU and SMU in the New Mexico Bowl. Rudolph. Rudolph. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Had a Welcome back into Cougar Sports nose. Saturday. Good stuff there with Jeff Symbiata. He said something really interesting at the end I wanted to ask you, but because I, I agreed with him. And if you missed that interview that Mitch had just a moment ago, we'll put that up on the podcast feed wherever you get podcasts. I thought 
when he said the bowl system still has value and he loves the bowl system. I agree. I, I think it does. Like, there's too many bowls. I get that. But, like, I still like bowl games. How do you think college football should work bowl games in in the new 12-team playoff era, Mitch? I, I think that they should create um, – they should still have them. I think they should still have the bowls and keep all 40 of them. All 40? Why, why not? I mean, you got to think that, you know, the, the New Year's Six are going to factor into the playoff. I'm sure there'll be a few other bowl games, maybe Vegas. I don't know. I'm just I'm spitballing here, but uh, there will probably be about ten or so bowls that'll factor into the playoff rotation. I don't want that. I, I don't either. I would like it to be home games, home games, and then all the way up to the national title. That would be my ideal setup. But uh, you know, bowl games. If you're not in the playoff, I, I still want BYU to have a chance to go to a game and have an experience. So I'm cool with it and have as many bowls as you want because I'll tell you, Matt. I I do think that I, I do sometimes miss the time when, you know, bowl games meant a whole lot as far as like, wow, you got to the holiday bowl, you're nine and three yeah. and you're playing a top ten Ohio State. Like that's what used to happen back in the day. Like BYU I know hasn't gone to the glamorous bowl games, but go look at their history of like bowl opponents, who they played. Great teams, great programs, great brands that you would say today, whoa, what a matchup. And so so that's that's there. And I you know, I miss that era, but same time, like I want BYU to still have a chance, even if they don't go to a playoff, to have some sort of postseason game to give them extra time and experience. And and I think this New Mexico bowl game, I'll admit, Matt, I'm excited about this matchup. BYU and SMU, there's a little bit of history there, and I think both these teams have explosive offenses. If both quarterbacks are healthy and can go, I think it'll be a fun game. I'm, I'm curious to see how it all plays out. I'd love the first two rounds of the new expanded playoff to be at home. Yes, and then you can bring in some bowl games, but I would still love to see it mean something to be thirteen versus fourteen in a nice bowl game. Yeah, like and, and so on. That I just think if we get to a point with the bowl system, so if you go to the twelve team playoff, you just said thirteen fourteen. That's how I want it to be. Yes, no more of this ACC six versus Big Twelve four. Just do thirteen versus fourteen, fourteen or fifteen versus sixteen. Just so on. Exactly. Do that. Everyone's tuning in, and even more so. And then you're still going, that's a good game. Yes. And I'm down with that. Yeah, that's that's what I would love to see. I think I think it should all be on the table, though. Let's shake it all up when we go to 12 teams. That's going to be a big change. Let's change up the rest of the postseason in college football as well. Got to take a break on the other side, uh, reluctantly, but we need to, Mitch. Let's touch on BOU basketball after a tough week with a couple of painful losses. Tonight, they play number 21, Creighton. You can listen to that right here on KSN News Radio. Tip at 8 p.m., pregame at 7. We'll talk about hoops on the other side. This is Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Sports Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. By Cougar fans or Cougar fans. It's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. On your legacy home of BYU Sports. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back in Cougar Sports Saturday. Tough times for BYU basketball. You know, Matt and I are watching. At the moment, Houston and Alabama. And why is this of note? Well, Houston's number one team in the country, and they're going up against a top-ten team in Bama. 
Also, Houston's going to be in the same league as BYU next year. The Big 12 Conference. Man, That you talk about the toughest league in America next year, the Big 12 basketball. It's going to be so tough. And it just feels even more daunting, Matt, because BYU basketball is struggling mightily. And that might be putting it lightly. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm glad you put the word mightily at the end of that. Yeah, it's uh, BYU lost last Saturday. Since we last were on the air, they lost to South Dakota. 69 to 67 at Vivint in a game where South Dakota didn't make a field goal in the last 10 minutes and BYU still <laughs> lost. And then it got worse, Matt. They lost to UVU on the Marriott Center floor. BYU's 5 and 5. They play Creighton tonight, a number 21 team in the country. What's wrong with this BYU basketball team? Oh, man, there is so much to unpack. I think, first and foremost, the biggest thing that jumps out to me is this team is undersized, which means they're not going to ever put up gaudy numbers in the post. They've got to shoot the ball well from three. Well, when you go four of 26 against Utah Valley, you're not going to beat Utah Valley. You're not going to beat Utah Tech. You're not going to beat anyone in Utah if you shoot four of 26 from three. So they are wildly inconsistent from three because against Westminster – they were ripping it from downtown. 19 threes. Program high. 19 threes to four. Four of 26 against Utah Valley. They're not a good enough shooting team. And then I really believe we're starting to see the negative impacts of the transfer portal. And look, Jackson Robinson has been good. I think he's been a good get. Noah Waterman has had flashes. Rudy Williams has been a little disappointing for sure. He got benched in favor of Dallin Hall. Dallin Hall was the starting guard against Utah Valley. But when you have as many people as BYU has had leave, and we don't know the reasons, they may not have been happy with their role, the coaching staff maybe didn't believe in them, it could be a combination of all those things. But when you continually lose guys year after year, Connor Harding from a couple years ago, Blaze Neal from a couple years ago, Hunter Erickson last year, I know I'm forgetting dudes, Caleb Lohner, you lose these guys, and I know that none of them were great at BYU, but in college basketball, especially at BYU, Mitch, you got to get guys at the ground level and you got to develop them. Like, think about the Jimmer team. A lot of focus is on Jimmer, but you know who else was dang good? Jackson Emery, Charles Abuo, Noah Hartsock. Did any of these go, go on to have great professional careers? No, they did not. But they were good college basketball players that developed. And by the time they were juniors and seniors, they were productive players. There's not a lot of those guys on this roster because they're getting pushed out or they leave. I, I, I don't know what the reason is. But when you don't have those upper classmen to help you win games, you're not very good. And the only upper classmen they had is hurt. So they're not very good. I like that Pope was willing to reinvent this program to kind of tear down the roster and understand that it's got to be better going into the Big 12. I was okay with that. I think Coach Pope has been very transparent about this team was not going to be some juggernaut. He's consistently said we're not good. He even said in the preseason, I feel a little bit more confident that we can be competitive. Just those are terms that you don't use with BYU basketball, a program that knows 20-plus wins, like death, taxes, BYU hoops wins 20 games. Right. You know? Uh, so he's been pretty transparent that it's been it's going to be – 
a steep curve. But here's where the issue is, is that they're losing to South Dakota and Utah Valley, and it it's not pretty. And even in the wins to Idaho State to open the season, you're going down to the horn, and you're needing a game winner from Spencer Johnson. Uh, you're facing Missouri State, and you're needing a game winner from Dallin Hall. Yep. Idaho State's been terrible this season so far. I thought, ooh, maybe Idaho State's going to be a sleeper. No, they're bad. Uh, <laughs> South Dakota, they got smoked by Air Force after beating uh, BYU. They lost by like 20-plus. So these are not like you're losing to this mid-major sleeper. You're losing to bad teams or you're going down to the horn to bad teams. And what was concerning, too, was UVU looked like BYU's equal. And then they just ran BYU off the court on the Marriott Center floor. I don't care what BYU puts on the floor at the Marriott Center. BYU always feels invincible on the Marriott Center floor. And to get ran out of the gym like that, I haven't seen that very often. I mean, I this is, sounds very extreme, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, Matt. I was having flashbacks as a young kid and watching BYU in the 1-25 season. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was just – the product on the court was so bad. And I didn't know like, – I think BYU, this team, I think the folks that are getting upset with, like, Pope right now online, on social media and message boards, that's wrong. Pope is the head coach at BYU, and he's going to be the guy that leads BYU into the future. BYU has to kill it in the transfer portal and get top-end talent like Matt Harms, Alex Barcelo types, or they are not going to be able to win. And this portal cycle... They kind of got the second and third rung guys. Jackson Robinson, I think, is a hit. Dallin Hall, an original high school signee, he's going to be a good player. Richie Saunders is going to be a good player. I think BYU's seeing enough signs that they've got pieces that they can work with going into the Big 12. And then next year you hope that you can get some big high-end guys, but those high-end guys, are they going to want to sign up with BYU when they're seeing this product and you're going, no? where's that tempo? Where's that run-and-gun up up and down the floor type of style that we were expecting to see? It's not showing itself. I'm willing to give them a little bit of leniency, though, because Spencer Johnson and Trevin Nell are out, but it just hasn't looked pretty, Matt. And no. that's where, even though that we all understood that this year might be a season where they don't, they don't even get to the NIT, I feel like this these type of losses to South Dakota and UVU are just far. They uh, hurt. They're, they're real. They're, they're devastating type losses. Yes, and, and it kind of impacts trajectory and potential Recruiting, and the ceilings and things like that. So I, I think that's where the concern lies for BYU going forward. I disagree with you on the transfer portal here. I, I, I I'm not saying don't use it, but these past two years there's been a reliance upon the transfer portal to bring in the difference makers. I will say I think that had he run it, ran it back with the previous team, I think it's the same result, maybe worse. I, 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 would, I, I applaud Pope for the willingness to try and go out there and get guys, but if you do flip the roster, you, you got to get better prospects. And maybe, look, basketball is probably even more crazy when it comes to NIL than football even. Because one guy in hoops can change everything, and we're seeing, and you noted that they're an undersized team. That's also difficult right now because in college hoops, it's the era still of the big man, the back yep. to the basket guy, still reigns supreme in college hoops. That's why Drew Timmy, he's in his fifth year at Gonzaga or whatever it is, because he can make a ton of money at Gonzaga yep. and on NIL deals. He's got his own podcast like Draymond Green. He's got it making a ton of money, I'm sure. And because the NBA is like, we don't want a back-to-the-basket guy like Drew Timmy. But in college basketball, you can make a ton of coins. So if you don't have the size 
and you don't have the top end portal guys, you're not going to win in the sport. So the 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 is not going to win in the sport because well, they're not getting top end. I, I disagree. I think Pope can do it. I don't Pope, believe he got Matt Harms. Matt Harms is awesome. And but was, Matt Harms is a grad transfer. That, you get you get one year like a Matt Harms type every year. Pope can get but, it done in the portal. Okay, the I think, but they've got to have the NIL. I think the disconnect here between you and me in the portal is though Matt Harms was supplementary to what they already had. They already had Alex Barcelo sure. and other players, and they added Matt Harms to put him over the top. This year in the portal was totally trying to rework the top end of the roster, yeah. and I'm saying that is not going to happen at BYU. Okay. Now, the, here's the good news. I think we're in the early stages of another cycle where you have a bunch of young players who are going to grow up together, and then you supplement them with the portal. Good point. And, and that's what I think BYU can do to win. But if you're going to say after two years that two of these four young guys aren't any good and you run them off and you try to replace them at the portal, I don't think that's a winning recipe at BYU. I think you need Fair. Hall, Saunders, Toulson, Colin Chandler, who's on a mission. You need all of them to be good and to stay and develop. And then when they're juniors and seniors, supplement them with a Matt Harms or an Alex Barcelo, and then you have a tournament team that maybe can go to the Sweet 16. Let me ask you this. Since now we know this BYU team is it's probably not NIT-bound. No. I, I, I don't think we're looking at this as an NIT team. They're not going to finish top four in the WCC. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think they'll be outside that top, that top four. If, if that is the case... Should Pope just go all in on the youth movement? We saw a little bit of signs of that with UVU. Dallin Hall goes in the lineup. Richie Saunders in the starting five. Does he just say, you know what? All, all in. And I say that, too, because with the portal always there, make these young guys that you hope come with you in the Big 12, make them completely happy. Kind of gr- almost, I don't want to say grovel, but like make sure they are happy and you are getting the minutes, you're getting the opportunity. Just go all in on the youth movement. Yeah, I, I'm fine with it. I, I like I'm We've, willing to accept losses more to South Dakotas oh, if you know it's all the young guys. I think any BYU fan would tell you, I can live with the losses if we're seeing the glimpses of these young guys yeah. who can get better. Like, how do we get Tanner Toulson on the floor? Because I feel like that guy can shoot, and he needs to play. But when you're giving 22 minutes to Rudy Williams against UVU, 12 to Trey Stewart, you get you know it, it's hard to get these dudes on the floor. But if you're not going to get to the NIT, I, I just don't. And it pains me to say this because I know Rudy it's his last year playing college basketball. But how do you justify playing him minutes if you're not going to win games? Right. That, that's the thing. It's like Rudy Williams came in, and, and it's not just Rudy Williams. Like no. the the upperclassmen, they're gone after this year. Those guys that are seniors, Gideon, George, they they're gone. And it's like to me at this point, we kind of understand this BYU team. Even when those guys were on the court, they're going down to the horn against Idaho State. They're going down to the horn against Missouri State. They battled against San Diego State, which is crazy to think about in retrospect. Uh, but I, I feel like there's there's just got to lean into the youth movement and make sure everyone that's young that you think can be part of the Big 12, they're happy and they're not going to – Because it would be devastating to lose Hall or Chandler to transfer. Well, and, and the thing is is that you just you can never assume anyone's long-term. And in college basketball, no. you always got to capitalize. So it's like, yeah. if you do do the long term play, you got to make sure those young guys are completely happy. So I, I'd lean in on that movement, and I know that's it's tricky, easier said than done. And I don't envy Mark Pope's position, but I think Mark Pope is one hundred percent the right guy for BYU, and I believe that he can get the top end guys in the portal. 
BYU's got to be armed and ready to be committed to, to basketball at a higher level than ever before because it takes so much to get those top-end guys in that portal now. And I think with BYU being armed with the Big 12, this staff can recruit. And that's what's the saving grace is that they almost got Antoine Davis the leading scorer in college basketball. Imagine if they had this guy. Like At least they'd have a guy that could create a shot and can just straight up pump, and he can right. fill it up. Like They don't have that right now, but they show you. They that can was get, supposed to be Rudy Williams. They can get visits, though. Like Antoine Davis on, an, on another tier. Like He's a guy that can score 30 on any given night. Yeah. Uh, like, but they show you they can get these top guys that we've never seen in BYU basketball history considering BYU. This staff can get it done. But I think also scheme-wise, there's a lot of work for Pope and this staff to grow because this identity of up-tempo, I'm not seeing it the last few weeks. No, that's that's a good point. That was where they were supposed to hang their hat on, and they haven't broken 70 in their past two games. Some of it, though, we do need to put on the players. Like You just got to make shots. Like Not to go Jim Boylan on you here, but the ball's got to go in the hoop. It's like... Four of twenty six. I'm just. I'm sorry, but four of twenty six. That's that nineteen threes against Westminster. It was cool, but at the same time, you're like, save that for the Utah game on December seventeenth. I or- will say, I'm glad you bring that up. I know we got to get to a break, but all will be forgiven, and it will be a successful yeah. season if they beat Utah next Saturday. It's I'll be at that one. game. You go to the bowl game. I'm going to the rivalry hoops game. You win that game. You continue to dominate Utah in recent memory. All's forgiven. Yep. No one is going to care because you've got the added uh, incentive of beating Burgess, and there's a bunch of play. <laughs> I know that Gavin Baxter retired, and that was sad, but Hunter Erickson's going there. You beat those guys. All's restored. Remember that year where uh, Peyton Dastrup was a hero? Oh, that yeah, wasn't a great that. year. Elijah but Bryant. You, but you still remember that. Yeah. So, yeah. And BYU's owned Utah in basketball. Like we, we, it's always this talk about football, like, oh, you know, nine out of ten. What about basketball? Yep. Why don't we ever acknowledge that? Right. Huh? You know, he's been killing it in basketball last I checked. It's okay. a home game. You win that game. We're not going to care about what happened against Utah. BYU Valley. hoops will be okay. But, you know, they are going through some difficult stretches right now. Tonight they take on Creighton. Eight o'clock tip here on KSL News Radio. Taking a break. Hurry up. We'll put a bow on the show. It's Cougar Sports Saturday powered by KSL Sports. We wish you this Merry music, Christmas. I keep thinking it's like a PSA. In the, <laughs> I keep thinking it's like some commercial. Anyway, I'm used to like the the old uh, Alex Curry nightside beds that we sometimes have. That's like that funky electronic galaxy music <laughs> we sometimes bump in with. Cougar uh, Sports Saturday. Appreciate all of you. Happy holidays to all of you. Merry Christmas season. It's it's fun time of year. And hope uh, you know is, is kind of I think a lot of schools what start going out of school next week. I think finals week is upon us. Yeah, finals week for BYU. I was down in Provo yesterday, and school was. Uh, the, what the heck were you doing down there yesterday? Well, I, had to, I had to go, uh, you know, do a little errand for some Christmas shopping oh, for some for at some the, people uh, at the store at the old BYU store. Um. And they uh, had to go run an errand, and so it was uh, it was empty there at the old Cougar Eat, and I was like, "This is strange." So B- I mean, BYU may be done then. Well, I, I think classes are done, but I think finals are just taking place. And but it was it was strange to walk through it like weekday and around like eleven a.m. and see no one around. Like, well, this is this is very strange. Uh, but it's always an exciting time of the year with the holidays and everything. So 
Again, hopefully all of you are having a fantastic Saturday. And, and uh, if you miss any part of the program today, uh, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on kslsports.com, the KSL Sports app, and all major podcasting platforms. We would appreciate that a ton. we got to get to the hurry up. We get you up to speed on all the news and notes we might have missed throughout the show. BYU Women's Hoops takes on number 15 Utah tonight at the Marriott Center. 5 p.m. tips. Can they pull the upset? No. The, the lady running Utes are dang yeah, good. that offense is legit. But you know what? Maybe no. Amber Whiting's squad. Hey, Lauren Gustin, a walking double-double. Lauren Maybe Gustin's can... been great, but uh, Utah is much better. Yeah. Hopefully they can pull the upset. Speaking we'll of Utah, Gavin Baxter medically retires. I mentioned that a moment ago after playing seven games for Utah. Sad end to uh, Gavin Baxter's career, which was full of athleticism and promise. Just the injuries got the best of him. It's sad. Football news. Former BYU offensive coordinator Robert Anai named OC at NC State. We're going to go fast and we're going to go hard. Uh, he's going to go to Raleigh, North Carolina. It's that like, was puzzling. It's like Norm Chow all over again at NC State. Right. Remember that? He was coaching up Phillip Rivers back in the day out in Raleigh. So, Anai leaves Syracuse, and now the OC at Syracuse, Jason Beck. And let me tell you, Matt, Jason Beck, if you want to ever forecast big board of future BYU head coaches maybe, I'm watching Jason Beck's career arc. He's a guy to me that's got that potential. To and I wouldn't be a head write coach. him off as a future OC either if Aaron no. Roderick were to take another job down the road. So Jason Beck's becoming a legit coach. And you look about his, his quarterback pipeline Taysom, Kurt Benkert, Bryce Perkins. You got to think that Brennan Armstrong's going back with him, right? I think. I think. Uh, Pro Football Focus names Blake Freeland All American third team. Kingsley Suamatia earned some freshman All American nods. And away we go. Yeah. Well. I think that'll do it. That was a good show here at Cougar Sports awesome. Saturday. A lot of portal talk. We had Jay Hill on, new defensive coach. Uh, definitely worth a listen. So uh, go check that out on our podcast feed. Follow us, our, our podcast, on our socials, Mitch underscore Harper, Biamonte Matt on Twitter. It is still alive. We still tweet on it. <laughs> Macedon. So, <laughs> so for Mitch Harper, our new producer, uh, Nate Slack, for myself and our board off Dave Meekham, have a great rest of the day, and we'll see you next week. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.